Fort Worth Camera Radio is back after a small hiatus. We're hanging out here on a lovely March day. It's springtime in Texas. We've been doing this podcast for almost a year. Is that right, Greg? That is almost exactly right. You're listening to Greg Woods, but I'm Mackenzie Hughes. Welcome back. You're going to be able to listen to this uh, podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Soon to be Spotify, because that's what the kids do. And I'm not a kid, but I hear that's what you do. I heard this news. Yeah. Spotify. Uh, We're actually gearing up for the 2019 Fort Worth Photo Fest, and that is the fifth annual Photo Fest 5, and it's exciting. But before we talk about that, we have an extra special guest, as all of our guests are extra special, but let's face it, this guy has uh, definitely come the longest, from the longest uh, distance to join us, and it is a true, true pleasure to uh, introduce to you listening audience uh, a mentor, a good friend, and a guy I've known for a number of years, Mr. Mark Komen. How are you? Hey, Mac. How are you? Doing great. Tell us exactly where you traveled from this morning. So I am uh, Mark Komen from Paul's Photo and the Creative Photo Academy in Torrance, California. We're about 15 miles south of LAX, and I got up at four this morning, got on a plane, and here I am in beautiful Fort Worth, Texas, and it's it, awesome. It is awesome. Thanks. Thanks for complimenting our city. <laughs> now, what I really wanted to talk to you about was... The State of the Union. No, that's not fair. Not the State of the Union, but just camera stores. Camera stores are a little bit different than they were when, perhaps, when you first started. I know they're different from when I started, which was not as long ago as for you. We'll talk about your your experience in a uh, living in a camera store. But first off, you're from Paul's Photo, correct? Correct. What's the address in Torrance? So Paul's Photo two three eight four five Hawthorne Boulevard. Torrance, California, 90505, and you can find us on the interweb at paulsphoto.com or the classroom site at creativephotoacademy.com. You can find me on uh, Facebook at Mark Komen or at Paul's Photo or, or Creative Photo Academy on Facebook or on, on uh, Instagram at paulsphoto.shop or Creative Photo Academy on Instagram as well. Thank you very much. Um, Hawthorne Boulevard. Does that actually go into Hawthorne, California, home of the Beach Boys? Yes, it does. Cool. So Hawthorne Boulevard is one of the longest streets in, uh, I don't know how far, but it starts at the ocean and goes all the way through, changes names, it goes all the way through LA into Hollywood and dead ends at the mountains in Hollywood. We've just experienced what this podcast is really all about. Sometimes we talk about photography, but so far we've covered Southern California, the Beach Boys, traffic in LA, all sorts. Uh, but you're from Paul's Photo, but who is Paul? So Paul's my dad. My dad started, bought the business 1961, and we we're just a camera store. You know, and I came on in 1974 when I was in high school. Um, my dad has still around, you know, he's 80 eight years old, 87 years old. He's doing okay. Doing okay, comes in every day. Um, in 2011, he kind of bowed out and let me take over the reins. So my wife and I are running this show now, and it's just awesome, Mac. And and you're right, the, the environment has changed, the life has changed, and what people don't understand is what's changed is they think, you know, switch to digital from film and this and that. That's just what we sell. That hasn't changed the business. What's changed the business for me is the way that Americans are shopping. 
So what's hurt us the most and the challenge for us is for the last three or four years, internet sales are increasing and brick and mortar sales are decreasing across the board. I mean, if you look at this, I mean, Sears is about ready to close more stores, JCPenney's, Montgomery Ward, Toys R Us, all these big retail giants from when we were kids, gone or nearly gone. But here, Fort Worth camera thriving, Paul's photo in Torrance, California thriving. And it's because we are we have what people want today if they know where to find us. And that's the biggest problem that we have is, you know, so many people go to the phone, order it online, where they really should be coming to a camera store or a specialty retail to buy specialty things because we have the expertise and we can help them. Let's circle back to that. You you fast forwarded about 15 minutes into the conversation. So that's good. It gives, us, gives someone a taste of what we're going to talk about. Um, but I want to know... When did you first start growing up in the, the camera store? I grew up in it my whole life. Okay, so... So I was one year old when my dad bought the business. Got it, okay. And so from 10 years old, so my first day in the camera store when I was... My first working day where I got paid was 10. But as a kid, it was always, you know, mom would drop my three sisters and I off at the store in the afternoon because she wanted to go run errands and... Dad was stuck watching us at the business. So what were you selling, though, in those times? What, what was being sold at Paul's Photo in the oh early 60s? Oh, my gosh. So in the, in the 60s, I mean, he, we sold Kodak cameras, believe it or not. We sold Agfa cameras. We sold Leica cameras. We sold Hasselblad cameras. You know, Canon and Nikon cameras were not that popular because it was German cameras and American-made cameras were the cameras. So when I first started working in the store, actually selling cameras, you know, because when I was 10 to 14 years old, I was doing more sweep the floor, take out the trash, count this for inventory. 1974, I started working every day. And that was what we were selling. We were selling Nikromats, mats. We were selling Minolta SRTs and Canon FTBs. Mm. And then the big revolution was the Canon AE-1, you know, uh, that was probably 1975, 1976, the Canon AE-1 came out, revolutionized the camera business because, you know, at that time we would sell three or four cameras a month. My dad would, I mean, wow. three or four Canon cameras a month. My dad would now order six cameras a week, Canon hey. AE-1. So that was a huge upgrade for us. And so from there, it's just gone on and gone on. I mean, we've sold everything in the past. I'm going to bounce around on my list of questions but this is a good segue okay film developing is in vogue again yeah for us it's huge we just so when my dad had the business we never had a lab we would always do out lab and being in los angeles we had three or four high quality out out labs that would pick up and deliver from us every day um that kind of faded away at the early 2000s so we brought in a lab but when we brought the lab in we didn't do film developing because film was out, film developing is expensive, it's chemicals, it's all that kind of stuff. And a year ago, we brought back the film developing. And yeah. we're doing two to 300 rolls a week now. So we do all the C41 in-house. We're just about to add black and white, traditional black and white in-house. We print in-house. We do, we do you know, photo books. We do canvas. We do metal prints. All that stuff is done in-house. You know, and it's kind of like going to the donut shop where you see, you know, behind the glass wall, there's the guys <laughs> making the donuts. That's the way it is for us. You know, we've got a little section where Jeff and his crew is my amazing crew in the lab. 
you know, they scan people's photos, they print people's photos, they develop their film. And the cool thing about it for our customers are that they've loved it because film developing in LA is usually three to four days. We're here. It's bringing in on Monday and you pick it up Tuesday afternoon now. So it's just awesome for them. Well, let me ask, I, I think I have a good understanding of why, but maybe from you, why is film back and what's the draw and what's the, why are people gravitating back towards film? Because it's different. Everybody's okay. shooting digital today. Most people spent, take most of their pictures on their phone. So there's a whole group in the society, a lot, of, and it's basically driven by the, the you know, high school, college age kids who see this old camera. It's mom's camera, it's dad's cameras, it's grandpa's camera, and they want to try it. And then they put a roll of film in it and they shoot it and it's fun. And it's, you have to set the f-stop and shutter speed, which is cool. You don't get to see it on the back of the screen. So there's some mystery to it. You know, all that stuff that we think of as a disadvantage to film, they're really loving and they're loving the mechanical cameras. And the great thing is it's revitalized, you know, the Minolta SRTs, the Nikon, the Nikon FMs and the Canon FTBs. Those cameras, we can't keep them in stock these days because everybody loves them and they can't, you won't kill those cameras. They're good. They'll, they'll be around another 50 or hundred years sure. because of the way they're made. It's just awesome. Yeah. We've, we've certainly experienced the the renaissance of film ps the renaissance of film uh, event at the fort worth photo fest can be visited at fortworthphotofest.com so, this so taught by me of all people so mac what are you guys going to do at the renaissance of film event we're going to talk about the differences between print film or c41 process film or slide film or chrome or positives and black and white film grain structure we're going to talk about what's 35 millimeter, what's 110, what's 126, what's large format. We're going to talk a lot about uh, film. And so, are, are people are, sorry, not a lot of content? Uh, just, yeah. <laughs> so, but so people are bringing, are they bringing their film cameras? You're going to get a roll of film, and can you do you guys run C41 here? We develop C41 color print film. Yes, on on premises. On premises. That is so cool. You know, you know what we've had really great success with is XP2. That's right. So that's an Ilford, Ilford made film. monochrome film. Correct. It's a it's a it's a black and white film that you get to develop in the Good in for the skin color tones. machine. Yeah. Good for skin tones. Yep. Cool. But enough about that. We're you're, you're our guest. We want to hear from you. Um, beyond the day to day operations of a camera store, mm -hmm. beyond what. Uh, fills up a camera store in terms of inventory, how inventory has changed the the film to di digital revolution, and now um, you know, accessories, what is sold in a camera store, what we're experiencing nationwide, and, and your reputation at Paul's Photo and the Creative Photo Academy is stellar. It's pristine. The, it, it's, it's a reputation that is uh, often duplicated, uh, I can speak for that because we try to duplicate it, and that's actually why you're here. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I, mean, yeah. I don't know if I deserve that because we're just a little camera store well, in here's Torrance, the, California. Okay, great. Well, if you're just a little camera store in Torrance, California, why are you taking trips to, say, Cuba and Africa and Japan and Vietnam and Yosemite and Yellowstone? Those are wholesale heavy-duty workshops. Do you want the long answer or the short answer? Uh, we are going long on this podcast. I'm going to tell you right now. We're going to, yeah, don't worry about it. 
So I think I think we we are owed an explanation of how you pull off these giant successful workshops. So let's go back to the mid 1980s. 1985, Paul's photo is outgrowing our location. Um, my dad finds us a location, kind of like what you guys did here. I mean, the whole big deal. 1987, we move in, yeah. and I had been struggling with. You know, a lot of our customers would go, at the time, the only place to get photo education for an adult was the local adult school or, you know, you bogart in on a community college class or something like that. And I looked at the curriculum that was offered and said, I can do better than that. So in 1988, we started the Creative Photo Academy. I started teaching classes and it started out very simple. It was just me and a slide projector in a little room that we had. In fact, at that point, it was in the middle of the store. We would push the, the gondolas away, put up a screen, and do it. And that grew. And, and so every time I took a trip someplace, I would bring back my pictures and share them. And all my students would say, oh, Mark, I want to go on vacation with you next time. Mark, tell me where to go. You know, so I'd end up writing these elaborate instructions for people on how to go to Yosemite, how to go to wherever, and how to do whatever. And I thought, you know what? I should probably just take them there. So 1991, we did our first, so we were doing our photo boot camp, which is our most popular class, intermediate photography class, advanced photography class. And then in 1991, we started with the adventures and we call them the Creative Photo Academy Adventures. Our first one was to the Eastern Sierra. So we're in Los Angeles, six hour drive north is Mammoth Lakes. We started in Mammoth Lakes. We did Bodie Ghost Town, Mono Lake, we would do the eastern end of Yosemite and the fall color in October. That was our first trip. And then second trip was Death Valley, which is awesome. Third trip was Yosemite. And these are basically just weekend trips where I would make the hotel reservations, plan out the logistics, take everybody over there, and we go do it. It's a lot of fun. And the greatest thing is when you go out with people to do something that's fun, it's more fun, right? Going with the group was just an awesome experience. And they had my experience to help them. And they had some of the other students who were accomplished photographers. And my group of photographers is very, very accomplished. I mean, they're award-winning photographers. And it's just awesome. So it started from that in 1991. We were invited to go to the Leica School in 1992. So we did that. Took a trip to Germany. We've been to Germany three times. Um, all the other stuff you mentioned just comes from... Yeah, I'll tell you how Africa started. We were at our last, the last trip we did to Germany with Leica was in 2003. And we're sitting at the bar in Munich, Germany on the last night of our trip to Germany. And we're sitting there, there's 10 of us around the table having a few beers and whatever. And where do you guys want to go next is the question I asked. Mark, I want to go to Africa. Mark, I want to go to Africa. Mark, I want to go to Africa. And I said, okay. Four of you guys said Africa. If I put together Africa, are we in on this? And they said yes. So in 2000, it took me two years to get it to, you know, took a year to plan it and then a year to make, make it all happen. So in 2005, we went to Africa for the first time. And basically, it's all driven, Mac, like our business is, like your business is driven here by what the customers want. And when my guys ask me for something, I try to do it. Or if I find something cool, you know, the whole, you asked me about Cuba. I, I had wanted to go to Cuba for years, tried to go on a couple of other photo workshops because I go on a lot of photo workshops. That's how I learn 
how other photographers do it and how other workshop leaders do it. But set up Cuba. We've been to Cuba four times. You know, uh, awesome place, Cuba. I would highly recommend that you all go to Cuba, especially as Americans. It's important that we see what Cuba's like, you know, politically. And every time I come back to this country, I bend down and kiss the ground because I feel lucky. I'm the luckiest guy in the whole wide world for a lot of reasons, but living here is just awesome. So, so what did did I answer your question or that you want to hear more? Because I can go on and on about the trips and everything. No, you did great. I just want to make sure everybody understands that throughout the camera store community of the United States, there is opportunity for photographers that you may not get online. And I'm not talking about shopping. I'm no. talking about live interaction and live in-person education, be it in the store or on location. And that's for you know an example – you know, the Creative Photo Academy is fantastic. Of course, here at Fort Worth Camera, we have the Learning Center. Very similar name. We're growing. And um, we're just so fortunate to have you here fresh off the airplane to uh, conduct a, um, a presentation where we're talking about photo safaris 101 and 102. And we know we're going to Africa, mm-hmm. courtesy of the Creative Photo uh, Academy and uh, Mark. And your, your, guy, your crew... Your listeners are invited to come on anything we do. You know, I, you know, one of the things that I want to dispel, and, and a lot of outsiders have this misconception that they think that a photo workshop, a photo trip, a photo tour of Africa, Cuba, Vietnam, Washington, D.C., wherever we're going, is all photography all the time. When I build a trip, number one on the list is fun. I want it to be fun. I build the trip so that so that Mac, when you and and Carrie come along, the first thing you say after the after the trip was, "Mark, that was so much fun that we you would do it again." And then you look at your pictures and say, "Oh, it was even better because we got cool pictures." So for me, fun is number one. Number two is the social aspect of bringing the group together, and whether we're going we're learning about each other on the trip, which is important going to a foreign culture, a foreign land, where we get to interact with local people and realize that as human beings on this planet, we are all the same. And that is the most awesome thing in the whole wide world. And that's why I love international travel and why I love taking people to foreign destinations because you get to meet the people. And I always make sure that we get to meet the people. And when I talk to my students and I talk to my my participants, they always say, Mark, I ask him, what's the favorite thing you did? And it's always back to that dinner we had at the lady's house, the visit we made to the brewery where the guy was making beer, the time when we were you know, watching the weaver do the weaving and she was explaining us to why we were doing the weaving. Those are all the experiences you, you know, you, you understand that you live with, right? And those are the exciting experiences for me. And that's what I want to bring to people. And that's why as I get older, that's the mantra that I have, and that's the passion that I have for traveling and for teaching photography because photography to me is the camera is a tool, a camera is a creative tool, but the most important thing for me and at Creative Photo Academy and in my classes is I want the people to experience life better because they have a camera in their hand. 
Well, I just wrote down, I mean, experiences do make the photos come alive. And I think that's true, whether or not you're on location. And in this case, what I want to, you know, steer the conversation towards is the experience inside a camera store makes your photography also come alive, I think. And that was kind of a a way to come back to what we were talking about originally sure. of the, the, the experience inside a camera store is not the same as it was in 1980 or 1960, let alone five years ago things have changed and what has mostly changed and hopefully this is a message for other camera stores that are listening that to change if you haven't offering more experiential educational opportunity things that you're actually doing not just watching and now Let's let's fold this conversation towards something else we haven't talked about. You, you do go on these fantastic adventures to Kenya and Cuba and Japan. I can't wait to hear about Japan. Uh, but tell me about a trip to, say, somewhere in Northern California on the coast, perhaps, to Carmel. So you wanted me to talk about my relationship with Kim Weston. Yeah, maybe a little bit, but also photographing... Uh, Naked people. I was going to say nude <laughs> photography because I want to be politically correct these oh, days. Okay, so that's a, so. If you want politically correct, I have to get up and leave right now. Well, hey, you know what? Um, I, Greg, I th- are we okay with that? We're good. You got yeah. the beep. Well, you got yeah, the beeper gut ready over there. I got it. Under let's control. break it. Let's like let's break it down for a moment. You take tasteful images. I take so. You you want the full story on this also? Yeah. Okay, so we for years have done a Monterey landscape workshop. I call it, you know, it's Monterey landscape workshop. And I have always been a student of the greats in photography and Carmel, California be in the 1920s and thirties was the Mecca of photography. So New York city and Carmel, California were the two Meccas of photography in the United States and maybe for the world. Yeah. Carmel's not, not a big place. No, it's a teeny little place. <laughs> and so and the two prime movers in Carmel were Ansel Adams and Edward Weston, the best of friends who creatively didn't see eye to eye, but personally would sit down and have gin and play cards and talk and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I learned to find out you know, that Edward Weston's grandson was still active in photography in Carmel. And somebody said, you know, he's up there. His name's Kim Weston. He's a dear friend of mine. And... I just picked up the phone and called him. And it's amazing, Mac, what happens when you pick up the phone and call somebody, right? Yeah, I know right? who that is. You know, so his wife gets on the phone and I say who I am and Kim gets on the phone the first time and says, hey, I'm Mark Komen from Paul's Photo. We've got this, this, this academy and we have students and we, you know, we're going to be in Carmel, you know, next month. Can we come by and, and see, say hi and see that the dark room in the house, because Kim lives in his grandfather's house. The house that you see, all of the Edward Weston photographs, the ones that are inside, those are all made in the house that Kim lives in. So that was in 2004 that I called him. And in 2005, we did our first Weston figure workshop. And it's an awesome experience. Um, I credit Kim with a great 
as a a great mentor in my personal photography. He's taught me so much. So when we get back to talking about my personal photography, I'll mention this again. Sure. So 2005, we took the first workshop. We've been doing it every year since then. So sometimes we do two or three workshops with the Westons, and it's awesome, in the Weston family estate in Carmel. And it's figure photography. It's fine art nude. There, it is the most awesome. It's the most deeply moving. It's the most challenging. It's the most mentally exhausting photography that I do. And that's why I love it so much because it's such a challenge. People ask me, Mark, so you have all these sweaty old guys that come up to do this thing? No. It's about 60% women that go on the figure workshops with us. So um, we photograph females. We've had males in the past, and we can have a discussion about why figure photography of men doesn't really work. And so if you look at great nude photography, the only really successful fine art photographer that do, does did nudes are um, um, Robert Maplethorpe and Herb Ritz. Those are the only two really famous male photographers to photograph males. Even the women photographers all photograph women. And it's not a sexual thing. What is it? It is a, it's back to my same, we're all the same. And, you know, you're wearing Gucci and I'm wearing Levi's. But if you take off your clothes and so do I, we're We're all all the same. We're all the same. And that's the power of it. Why do I love it so much? Because it's a deeply communicative form of photography. So let's say, for example, Mac, I wanted to tell a story with a model. If I were to have a closed model to do this, I would need to have that model in a full outfit. And if the shoes didn't match the rest of the story I was trying to sell, would it work? No. But if I take a figure model and pose a a nude and I have one piece, one item, a hat, a ring, something that tells the story that I'm trying to tell, that's enough to tell the complete story. So it makes it easier. And it's also, you know, like I said, I'm not the most politically correct guy in the world. I like to call it like I see it. It's a little edgy. It's a little challenging. You know, it's not easy. You know, you there's a very, very fine line between showing too much and not showing enough. And that line, learning that line has been extremely powerful to me as a human being to be a better, more communicative photographer. And I tell all of my students, and I tell everybody that'll listen, if you've never photographed figure photography, you need to. Even if you're a portrait photographer, even if you're a landscape photographer, one of my good friends who taught me a lot about photography, George Vago, told me, photograph your portraits like they're landscapes photograph your landscapes like they're portraits and I'll take it the next step photograph your landscapes like they're figures and photograph your figures so that they're perfect and it's made me a far more conscientious a more controlled photographer who makes images that work you know when you see the prints that I'm going to bring did my prints show up by the way so when my prints get here for the show tonight You'll get to see those prints, and my prints from Africa 
look like figure photographs because all the animals are naked. As someone who operates or works at a camera store, you're surrounded by photography every single day. And unfortunately, that'll detract from your own passion for photography, just shooting a camera yourself sometimes. Um, it does for me anyway. How about you? See, I, I love it. I can't wait to photograph each and every day. And for the past 12 years, every year I do a personal photo project. And this has to do directly with my advanced photography class. So one of the classes is a project-based class. And I think it's really important for photographers to do projects, especially something that has meaning for them, not just fluff. So for 2019, I've undertaken my most difficult project ever. It's called Strong Women, Strong Voice. And it started for me watching the horror of the Me Too movement and feeling just this lack of power and the lack of ability to be able to do anything about these women who've been abused by these guys, about the whole body shaming thing. And I think that's just so wrong because we're all people and everybody has feelings and God gave you a body and you should be proud of it. And the thing that made me decide on the project was a major cosmetic soap manufacturer. Yeah. All right. Sorry. That's okay. Sorry. All right. Let's go back. And then I just roll. Okay. All right. Now I got it. So one of the final things that helped me put together my Strong Women, Strong Voice project was a major cosmetic company did a, they started a ad campaign that they called Real Women or Regular Women or Regular Girls or something like that. And they photographed for their ads regular women, women that look like my wife and look like your wife and your girlfriend, not size two models, right? And it lasted a nanosecond. It was gone before it even started. And I said, I need to do something different. So I started the Strong Women, Strong Voice project. And if you, if you want to be part of the project, contact me. You've got my contact information on the, on the podcast here. I would love to have everybody pose for this. So each woman's going to have two pictures. So the first picture is going to be an environmental portrait that will highlight your story as a woman, your struggles, your mission, your message, your troubles, whatever you want, we decide is the right story to tell. You know, I photographed last week a, a, a woman I've known for many years, cancer survivor, double mastectomy, she just had her reconstruction instruction surgery about a year ago, and she's starting to feel great about herself. So she wanted to pose and tell that story. And she's also a soccer goalie playing in an adult women's soccer league. Uh -huh. So I photographed her as a goalie. That's awesome. It's awesome. And the second photograph is a artistic figure photograph celebrating your body, her body, how she's endured. You know, I photographed two weeks ago an 80-year-old woman who is the local tennis champion in the women's tennis league for over whatever. She's the champion. Nobody even gets close to her. And I photographed her in her tennis outfit and then a figure photograph. And so those are the stories that I'm trying to tell, you know. And people have told me, well, Mark, I don't look good. I'm overweight. I'm too this. I'm too that. But that's not what it's about. It's about 
you're an awesome person and you shouldn't be ashamed of who you are under your clothes. And I think that as, as people, if we free that, if we are not ashamed, where would we be as a people? Where would we be as a country if that wasn't an issue for us? And it's just, <clears throat> excuse me, so awesome. You know, I'm going to do a book with this and I'm going to do a gallery show if I can get it into a gallery. I already have it all designed and I'm working on it and I'm just, I'm photographing and it's just heaven, Mac. I just have to make it happen. Mark, it's been a big, big pleasure hanging out with you and I'm glad we finally got to get this done and I'm glad we finally got you here to Fort Worth. So I got one final question for you. Does Fort Worth ever cross your mind? It crosses my mind all the time. Wow. And why is that? Why is that? Because of you and Jeff. Aww. Two great friends of mine who we share a passion for the industry that I think that we are on the forefront of what's happening in the camera business today. We're in the forefront of it, the education business in the camera store. And I mean, how often do I, you just look at the phone and, oh, Mark's calling. What the hell does he want to talk about? You know, and Jeff <laughs> the same way. And how often do you just call me? Just, just So Fort Worth is always on my mind because, you know, I love what you guys are doing here. I love you guys. You're great friends of mine. And how can I not think about Fort Worth? Because when two of my buddies are living here. Thanks, Mark. This has been a presentation of Fort Worth Camera at 1600 Montgomery Street in the Cultural District of Fort Worth, Texas. I'm Mackenzie Hughes. Our engineer is Greg Woods. For more information about Fort Worth Camera, visit fortworthcamera.com. And for more information on the Fort Worth Photo Fest, please visit fortworthphotofest.com.